Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us to fill this room, Lord, and to teach us those things that you would have us know. That as we enter this new year, Lord, that you would um, begin us, Lord, in, in the right place with you and with your teaching. May our hearts be open to what you have to show us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, moving on to a new year brings many thoughts to our minds. <clears throat> the letting go of the old and the invitation of the new often brings feelings of eager anticipation. Many of us will choose to shake off what was a difficult year and look with hope to the future and all that it brings. This occasion can be a useful time for reflection assessment, and even some course correction. It is also a good time to look at where we are in our spiritual journey and how we fit into a world that appears at times to be spiraling out of control. The practice of reflection naturally brings about questions as we look at our lives and the world around us. There are three questions that have seemed to occupy my thoughts over the past few weeks, and I wonder if these might resonate with you. The first question is, what kind of people must we be to live in our current cultural, political, and spiritual climate? The second, what does it look like to wait patiently in a time of instability while we work, raise families, And try earnestly to be light in a world that so desperately needs Christ and his gospel. And the third is, what may be some of the influences that surround us? Those that either bring us closer to Christ or seek to lead us away from him. Our passage this morning from Luke's gospel offers us some direction in answering questions we face as we move into another year of covid climate change, racial tension, and cultural instability. We are not the only people in history who have faced plague, natural disaster, and civil unrest. In fact, for all the questions and uncertainty, certainties, the answer remains the same. In order to navigate through our world with all its insecurities, we need Jesus and the gospel he proclaimed. Those who were in attendance for Jesus' presentation in the temple not only knew it, but also practiced it during precarious times, and so must we. But what does that look like? Well, if you open your Bibles or Bible apps to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, we'll take a look at how two people in particular found the way to live through uncertain times with hope, patience, and courage. Perhaps here we may find the answers to some of our questions, or 
at least examples to follow when navigating through challenging choices in our current climate. As pious and law-abiding Jews, Joseph and Mary came to the temple with Jesus, expecting to receive purification and to present Jesus to the Lord as a firstborn son. What they were not expecting were the two witnesses, Simeon and Anna, who, through ordinary, who though ordinary people, had extraordinary things to say about Jesus. The first witness to the occasion is Simeon, who is introduced as a man who was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. When not, while not many details are given about him, Luke tells us that he had come to the temple in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's noteworthy that Simeon was led by and received revelation from the Holy Spirit, who at this time would interact with only certain people at certain times. Though an ordinary man from the world's point of view, Simeon was chosen for this occasion by God himself. Simeon's response to Mary, Joseph, and Jesus' entrance into the temple is known as the Nicodemus, a doxology of confidence in God. As Simeon takes the infant Jesus up in his arms, he begins, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And while Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about him, Simeon sees everything that God ordains pertaining to salvation. This is not only the forgiveness of sin and life in Christ, but also the promise of redemption. Simeon is a witness to the confidence of God's salvation, and Luke here summarizes Simeon's life as an embodiment of faithful expectation. Simeon then proceeds with the blessing of Mary, but with the blessing comes severe mercy. Christ will be a sign that will oppose, and he will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. In other words, the word became flesh will cause offense and division. The Son of God, like the divine presence in Exodus 14, will bring darkness on one side and light on the other. Next comes our second witness, Anna, who is likewise described as devout, a prophetess who spoke about Jesus to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna is old and filled with years. Luke's description of her leads the reader to the conclusion that she was at least 84 years old, if not much older, and was set apart by God. The course of her life has led to this moment, to bear witness on this day, to the presentation of Jesus the Messiah. The scripture says that Anna did not depart from the temple Worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. New Testament scholar Joel Green adds clarity to Anna's devout practice. He explains, Fasting is a form of religious protest, an assertion that, ought, that all is not well. 
and is thus a religious observance and character with awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna's advanced age, implying the accumulation of wisdom as well as her practice of prayer and fasting, shows not only her understanding that not all is right, but also shows her patience in awaiting God's answer of redemption. Simeon and Anna together then are two common people waiting patiently for the fulfillment of messianic hope. So what were some of the other common people doing at this time? During the Roman occupation of Israel, how were they coping during this time of uncertainty and instability? I believe it's accurate to say that people alive at the coming of Christ were experiencing many of the same feelings of unsettledness that we do today. What I want to suggest then is that there are two responses to living in a seemingly uncertain and unstable world. There is the Christian way, and there is what I call the counterfeit way. One writer clearly describes the counterfeit way of Israel. He says, The long-awaited but unfulfilled messianic hope led some in Judaism to compromise with the Roman way others to militant opposition of the same, others to utopian dreams, and still others to flight, separation, seclusion, and resignation. In our day, we might describe this counterfeit way with three examples, and we'll look briefly at these and conclude with some insight into the questions we looked at in the beginning. The first counterfeit is compromise with the culture. In his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Carl Truman examines the ideas and influence of several people who helped to shape our culture as we know it today. Some names are unfamiliar to many of us, but there are some we might recognize, men like Rousseau, Nietzsche, Marx, and Darwin. Truman argues that it has taken many ideas and voices to get us to where we are now. Reason has been forsaken for emotion in the arena of ideas about how we should live. Ethical discourse is broken down because it rests ultimately on divergent narratives, and the claims to moral truth are really just expressions of emotional preference. We have come to this place as a culture where expressive individualism is preferred over truth and the common good. The danger for us as Christians is being drawn into compromise with a culture where the primary objective is to feel good. Care for the self at whatever cost now takes precedence over care for the society. It can feel like we've just woken up and things are going terribly wrong. Truman reminds us, however, that like the proverbial frog in the pot of boiling water, the match was lit a long time ago. The Christian response should not be one of surprise. God has given us the Bible, and it tells the story of how the heart of humanity without God is only evil continually. As Paul quotes in Romans, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. 
In pages of scripture, we learn that the heart of God is always to redeem. If only we will turn to him and his ways instead of our own. We understand that God has come and will come again to set the world to rights. We need not fear, but simply to rest in him. A second counterfeit is militant opposition and the polarization of the church. The church as the bride of Christ has become divided, not least of all over political issues. The response to COVID, for example, has become a matter of political allegiance. To vaccinate or to not vaccinate has become not a matter of public safety, but individual rights. For Sarah and I, this hits close to home. We have good Christian friends who refuse the COVID vaccine, not for health reasons or a matter of conscience, but because they feel their rights are being infringed upon. They stand firmly on the ground of a political party that has influenced their witness for Christ. This is only one example of the church being divided over matters that are hashed out in the public square of social media. This ought not to be, as we are aware, this should not be as we are then detracting from our central purpose of proclaiming and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. As the Apostle Paul urged so frequently and passionately in his letters to the churches, we must strive for, for unity and resolve our differences together. We ought to be wary of airing out our dirty laundry on social media and instead be examples of those who live peaceably, always seeking to follow the Lord. The third counterfeit mentioned was utopian dreams and the triumph of the therapeutic. This last counterfeit is a belief in the utopian dream that all will work out in the end. While this is true for the Christian in a future sense, the current culture would have us believe that we can fix things if only we try harder. Unfortunately, if we are busy defending our expressive individualism and trying desperately to get others to not only accept but affirm us, we'll have little time or energy to work on those problems together. There are many things we should seek to improve upon. Social justice issues cannot be ignored, but they will not be solved with selfish motivation. And this is where the utopian dream crumbles. This is why we understand as Christians that God does not fix broken things. He recreates them. This is his way. As we strive to be light in a dark place, there is this patient waiting upon God that is necessary. We must trust in his promise and in his time. So now we circle back to the beginning to see if there are answers to the questions I asked at the start. Let's look again. What kind of people should we be in these times of uncertainty and instability? How do we wait patiently while we live our lives in a world so desperately broken? <clears throat> and what influences do we avoid that may draw us away from Christ? I would suggest that we would be gospel people trusting in the God of the promise and waiting expectantly for his return. 
We should learn to live without fear, knowing that he loves us and wants only the best for us. Most importantly, we must learn to be gentle with ourselves when we experience doubt and become anxious or worried. Our gospel reading today ends with Mary and Joseph returning to their hometown of Nazareth, where the last verse says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We could do well to remember what God wants and will do for us. We too are called to grow and become strong, filled with wisdom, with his favor upon us. There will always be questions, but the answers come down to this. God's unfailing love will always sustain us in the good times and in the bad. This is a less celebrated and more difficult path, but Christ has gone before us. Let's look with expected anticipation for his return. In the meantime, let's walk the path that he has laid out for us. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.